Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to our Big Squid Limited series, Space Podacy, a new limited series where comedian Ben Elwood and I discuss some of our favourite science fiction movies. Today, we're reigniting our memories as we look back at eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. for joining me today for our latest podcast. Look, you might not initially think that Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is a science fiction movie, but it definitely falls into that category as it explores the relatable desire to move on from traumatic memories. I think it's because there's so much going on with it that you can forget that the premise itself is essentially science fiction. So... Uh, it's funny how when I've mentioned this, people have said, oh, is that really a sci-fi film? Well, t- technically it is. And uh, I think the best sci-fi often uses uh, the idea of incredible technology or situations to explore matters of the heart. And uh, I think this movie does it beautifully. Ben and I have a pretty deep talk about this film and the emotions that the story evokes. So strap yourselves in. This one gets nice and filling. Uh, As you also might be aware, this limited series was intended to be a 10-parter. So what we were going to do, we were actually going to finish with a certain movie. We'd left one spot open. Uh, We were just, uh, we kind of picked out the nine films we were going to watch. We had a space open to see if there was something that might take our fancy as we were going along or something that we just had a burning desire to discuss. And now... We've put all of that aside. What we're doing is we were going to finish this season with The Matrix. And what we're now doing is we're going to blow out this 10-parter. We're going to do The Matrix next. And then we're going to do the two sequels. And then on the Patreon, we will do uh, an episode that's about the Animatrix, mainly focusing on the second renaissance. So we'll kind of concentrate on that story. But... uh, 
Yes, we'll cover all of the Matrix and then we will conclude all of this with a review of Matrix Resurrections, which we are going to very soon. So it's a very Merry Keanu Christmas from us to you. We'll kick it off next Monday with our opening two-part podcast for The Matrix. Yeah, it's a two-parter. And worked really hard to try and find some new angles because The Matrix has been covered a lot and and it has been covered well. So we are coming at it from slightly different angles, slightly different discussion points, trying to take it in directions that it maybe hasn't gone before. It uh, That first one, it was a lot of work, to be honest, but I, I think we've done it. And uh, it ended up being a two-parter. So there you go. So that'll all kick off next Monday. Uh, Before we launch into the podcast today, uh, it's time for our Patreon dedication. And that goes out to Brody. Apart from being one of the first people to sign up to the Patreon, Brody is one of the many silent supporters of the podcast who help us continue to not only make our work here, but also to stretch our creative instincts. You know, I want this podcast to continue in improving. I want to introduce some different elements into it. I never want this podcast to remain stagnant. Anyone who goes back to our very first episode to now, you will see a general shift and and the way that the podcast has grown and we will continue to do that. And we couldn't do that without the support of people like Brody and yourself. So uh, thank you very much for being there for us. Brody, I hope you enjoy this episode, but even more so, I hope you cannot relate to any of the stories that Ben and I share in the podcast today. There's some sad stories coming your way, people. Who would have thought that this movie would have inspired those kinds of tales? If you'd uh, like to have an episode dedicated to you along with a bunch of extra podcasts, scripts and access to works in progress, head over to the Patreon site and look up Justin Hamilton Big Squid and you will find a tier that suits you. Now it is time to check in with Clementine who undergoes a procedure to have her memories erased of her ex-boyfriend Joel. When Joel discovers this has happened, he decides to undergo the same treatment so he too can forget the woman he once loved. But as his memories are zapped and begin to fade, Joel decides he wants to hold on and will hide Clementine anywhere he can in his subconscious before she is gone forever. It is time to remember eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Hi. I'm sorry? I just said hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. I could uh, give you a ride if you need. Cold. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. You're not a stalker or anything, right? I'm not a stalker. You're the one that talk to me remember that is the oldest trick in the stalker book really there's a stalker book okay i gotta read that one you should come up to the charles with me sometime it gets frozen this time of year but i I should uh i would like you to call me would you do that i would like it so i walked over to annick attic you know to get her something i thought you know go over to work, give her an early valentine. And she looks at me like she doesn't even know who I am. Excuse me? Can I help you find something, sir? Why would she do that to me? 
right, Joe, here's the deal. So, Ms. Kraczynski was not happy, and she wanted to move on. My name is Joel Barish, and I'm here to erase Clementine Kraczynski. It's all falling apart. I'm erasing you, and I'm happy. Believe you did this to me. You're erasing her from me. You're erasing me from her. I hired them. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm so stupid. You need to stop before I wake up and I don't know you anymore. Can you hear me? I don't want this anymore. I want to call it off. So this is going to be uh, a message that I received. This is about The Thing. Mm -hmm. This is from Corey Brazendale, and I hadn't told you this because it just made me laugh so much when I read it. Thank you for sending this, Corey. (laughs) It is hilarious, and it is full on as well. Uh, So after we put up The Thing podcast, he wrote to me, Ah, The Thing. My fondest memories of this one is both times I've wintered in Antarctica. The Thing is played in the station cinema as soon as the ship takes the summering expeditioners away, leaving a small crew behind to look after the station over the long, dark and cold winter. It gets better. He then followed it up with, it's usually closely followed by... The Shining. <laughs> Fly close to the sun, we do. Wow. Corey, you legend. Like, talk about... What is, why is Corey winter? Is he a scientist wintering in the oh, Antarctic? Uh, that is a good question. Sorry, Corey, I forgot to ask that. I was so busy laughing and That's fucking making sure that I told you about it. Yeah, it's so good. Wow. It, it makes you go like... I thought I like to stoke my own paranoia. Oh, yeah, right? Like, holy shit. It's like, uh, you know, suddenly I'm thinking of uh, all these different movies that, you know, like, do do I want to be sitting in a, like, revolving chair to watch, you know, Inception and <laughs> stuff like that? Free-falling, watching Gravity. Yeah, it's so good. Mm. Oh, my God. How terrifying. Did you see that stuff about the Russians blowing up that satellite? And All I could think about was Gravity. And all I could think about was Gravity, yeah, yeah, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, far out. We will get to Gravity. I'm sure we will. I actually rewatched that the other night. I oh, was in the mood. Yeah, uh, yeah. 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 Uh, you know I have my theories on what that movie's actually about. Oh, well... Let's save, we'll save it. it. Yeah, we'll do that in season two for sure. Like that was that that was nearly one that I wanted to push for this one. But See, I, I I know off topic for a second. I wonder is that a science fiction movie? Like really, it's more like a space adventure movie, right? That's science fiction, though. Is it? It's in space. Okay, well, it's got science. That'd be an interesting thing and to fiction. talk about. What 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 does kind of like encompass the definition of science fiction? Well, that's a really good question because when I sometimes look up the you know uh, you know our our segment first context mm. and sometimes you're looking at movies and it's like like x-men is there and no. i guess or i guess it's technically 
I feel like superheroes have like, uh, you know, because there's genres within science fiction and I think superhero movies have spawned their own genre of science fiction. Yeah. So they are. Like Thor is, I guess, a science fiction movie. I wouldn't want to start going down the Marvel rabbit hole on this podcast, to be honest. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Because then it becomes a whole other thing. And actually, I think that's an interesting question for this movie that we're discussing today. Because I'm not sure that most people would consider it on first glance as a science fiction. Yeah. But, you know, it's got speculative technology in it. Yeah. The the basis of it is science fiction Mm. and the starting point in many ways is science fiction. Yep. Uh, Full on movie. I have not watched it in a while. (sighs) Um, (laughs) The... So, I, I feel like, the, before we even get into anything... Yeah. Uh, oh, you know what? Let's actually ask the first question, which is, when did you first see this movie? I saw it when it first, first came out. So, yeah. what, 2004? Yep. Because uh, yep. um, I was a big fan as a teenager of Adaptation and Malkovich. Yep. So, as soon as I heard that that guy... Yeah. Remember when he was just that guy, yeah. that weird guy that was yeah. writing all these weird movies? Yeah. Uh, when he was writing his new weird movie, I was like, I think I was there week one. Yes. Um, but, you know, <laughs> this is one of those movies that definitely uh, changes after you've had certain experiences in life. Right. And so I saw it probably, well, however old I was, 20-something, to yeah. early, early 20s, and probably had, well, definitely had not had uh, an equivalent relationship to the one depicted in this movie. Uh, and so, yeah, as I say, it's very different after you've had, um, after you relate to the characters a lot more, much, you know, hard, much harder watch. <laughs> so w- when I first saw this, I was in, like I had, we, we've all had one of these relationships. It's the, yeah. it's the stop start relationship. It's mm. the relationship that you give maybe like I know in particular, and by the way, I'm still good friends with this person. Mm-hmm. We're, we're actually, it, it's funny we're much better friends than we were in the relationship. And it's weird because I think there's a, you know, uh, sorry, I'm trying to speak no, with respect yep. for this person, <laughs> but, uh, you know, cause we are still good friends, but there, there's, she finds it easier to trust me as a best friend than she ever did in a relationship. But that had nothing to do with me. Sure, yeah. You know, so yep. it was the issues of past relationships mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. things that she'd seen mm-hmm. in her family, mm. which back in the day when I was younger was one of those things. Well, I, you know what? I can help you through that because I can be a better example. I can be a better version. And the thing that you learn when you get older is y- you can't help anyone. No, they, you they can't. Have to, <laughs> you really they, can't. They have to help themselves, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Uh, so I saw it and found it particularly poignant mm. when uh, when I first saw the film. And sorry, were you with this person when you saw the film? Uh, no, okay. no. And, uh, and and what you had yet to be be with them? No, no, no. We were part? we were in the middle of. Uh, I'm actually probably getting close to the final end. Like sure. we had started dating, we broke up for a while, yeah, right. yeah, and yeah, be- yeah. essentially because we were interstate. Yeah. Then. Uh, she moved to Melbourne. We lived together for a while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then we broke up again. And then there was this, you know, she wanted to kind of give it one more shot. And my gut said no. But mm-hmm. I also intellectually understood that if I wanted one more shot, I would like to get it. So yeah. went into it very quickly. 
realized that no this isn't going to work and then had yeah. to do this thing and i'm i'm a firm believer in you can be friends with an ex but Absolutely. you have to you, you have to have time off you have yeah. to not be around each other yeah. you can't you can't just keep hanging out and being no. pals or anything like no. that. You have to get to a point where you can imagine them fucking someone else and it doesn't drive you insane. Absolutely. That's when you can be friends. And it's funny, isn't it? Like, you can be in another relationship and you hear that they're with someone else oh. and you just have a moment. <laughs> you just have a little pang. Yeah. Oh, but no. I reckon... But anyway, so that's when I saw it. Mm. By the way, I reckon I have worked so hard at... Because everyone I've dated, I've really liked, uh, which, you know, should not have to be a big thing to say. (laughs) I can't say the same. (laughs) Right. But the thing is, is that uh, I worked so hard on being, making sure that I was fine and, you know, almost, almost felt relieved, like got to a point where I'd feel relieved that I knew they were with someone else and you go, great, I've hit that point. Now I can just deal with this and I can move on. And I reckon I've become so good at it. I'm a bit of a cold fish now. It's Dude. like I'm, like I've got a yep like I've got scar tissue mm-hmm. which sounds a little bit melodramatic mm-hmm. but it is almost impenetrable now and now when I meet someone that I'm attracted to I just want to get to the bit where we break up <laughs> so we can just be friends. <laughs> well that's nice that you even want to embark on the relationship because I I think I've become so uh um uh whatever fucked up or cowardly or whatever word you want to use that I don't even want to embark on the relationship. I'm like yeah, yeah good this seems nice but done this before you know like <laughs> i mean this is gonna be a reflection of how twisted my um my perception of things is but you know people talk about falling in love it's like oh don't you love that feeling of the butterflies and falling in love and like no i fucking hate it man i hate it yeah like the 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 moment that I realized that I was in love with the last person I was like really in love with, like yeah. deranged in love. Yeah. Uh, Nick's son. Yeah, Nick's son. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we were spooning. I was staring into his eyes. And, um, That's amazing because he was spooning. <laughs> we have, we have he had a mirror. We have spooned. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, like, uh, we, we were lying in bed. You know, we'd been together for, uh, you know, X amount of months. We were lying in bed. I remember it so perfectly. I was resting on her belly, looking up at her. And I suddenly had that moment of like, oh, fuck, I love you so much. right. And the next feeling was being encompassed by complete and utter dread. Right. Wow. Because it was just that moment of realization of like, oh, we can really fuck each other up now. Right. Like, we can really hurt each other. This isn't... There's there's skin in the game now. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that's the moral of this whole movie is like, one way or another, this ends in tears whether it's through breaking up or whether it's people staying together for 50 years, eventually this ends one way or another, Yeah, be it through breaking up or through dying. Yeah. Uh, but no one gets out of this unscathed. Right. And I think um, that dread that I felt was the realisation of that. Yeah. Of like, you know, this isn't some kind of, you know, lark anymore. This isn't just two, the two of us fooling around, yeah. enjoying each other's company. There's something like profoundly invested in this and- you know, I think probably in the back of my head, I also knew that, you know, there was an instability to the relationship. That right. It, that it was going to end in flames eventually. Um, and so, you know, I don't relate to people who are like, I love, I love falling in love. Really? 
You love putting your heart in a in a fucking fine china vase and handing it to a practical stranger and going, can you take care of that for me? Yeah. Don't drop it. Please don't drop that. Don't drop it. It's really going to hurt if you drop it. Remember where you put it. <laughs> remember where you keep yeah, it. Remember where you put it. Like, yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's a profound act of bravery, I think, to uh, enter into these relationships without that kind of looming over your head. And yeah. maybe- it's just an act of getting older, but uh, yeah, I find myself really kind of arms lengthening people these days. Yeah, you, why do you think you're like that? Do is there is there a specific moment in your early dating life, or because for me, like, mm. so the the irony at me being a 49 year old bachelor. <laughs> by the way, I only realised a couple of months ago I'm, I'm a bachelor, and yeah. that fucking made me laugh like a loon. It's <laughs> like, how did that happen? But, if we're in the 60s, the media would have its opinions on you. Oh, that was the first thing I thought of. <laughs> yes. Is he a bachelor because he can't find the right woman, mm-hmm. or is he a bit fabulous? <laughs> um, but for me, like, I as a teenager. Mm. I was convinced that mm. the first girl I dated that, like, properly, that that would be it. Mm-hmm. Like, we're in. Oh, yeah. Let, let's make this happen. Oh, yeah. And of I'm going to be... I'm going to be... the. I'm going to be the guy that my absent father wasn't. It wasn't, oh, a, yeah. it wasn't a conscious decision, mm. but that's exactly what I was, you know, because yep. they, they were the... Yeah, I was surrounded by families. Yeah. And so you think, right, I'm going to be a guy who is going to be here, who's mm. going to be a good husband, yeah. I'm going to be a good father. Yeah. And then, you know, like that breakup, it's it's just a young breakup and it was, we didn't have experience. Yeah. We made mistakes. Yeah. Uh, How old were you? Uh, like 39. No, I was <laughs> um, like 16 to 18. You joke shouldn't have made me laugh. <laughs> no, it's all about the delivery. It's not necessarily the gag itself. But, um, but it's, and so, and it was, it was embarrassing. Like it was one of those relationships where like it was great for a long time. Mm. And then we were just in different circles. And mm. when you're young and you're learning about yourself and you're in different circles, you go in different directions. And then we, so we had a break, mm. which. That's always going to save it. It's always going to save it. <laughs> How many times? Oh, we're going to have a break and now we're back together and everything's even better than it yeah, was before. Yeah, yeah. We just don't bring up all the other people we slept with in that break. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> And then I caught up with her. Uh, by the way, she she's a really nice person. Like this is just so you're a, still friends with this person. Like you know, we send like birthday messages That's on Facebook lovely. every couple of years. Yeah, you know, right. be like, hey, happy birthday. You know, she's yeah, yeah, you know yeah. she looks great. Yeah, she's yeah. Uh, you know she's got two kids, and I think she's married. A, I think she's married someone else who has kids, and they look really happy. So mm. it looks really good. But the um, but the breakup was you know we so we had a break, and then uh, she. Uh, she was uh, stunning to be a dancer. Mm. And we uh, then I caught up with her for lunch one day and she had a, like a, a love bite on her neck. And I was Uh-oh. like, what the fuck? And she's like, oh, I into this guy and met him. And, then, you know, he just kind of reminded me of you. And I was <laughs> like, you know, oh, yeah, okay, no worries. And then I went to see, how's this? This is going to make you laugh so much. So then I, uh, so I was friends with two of her friends who were from interstate and they had a recital on. Mm. So I went to it. I, I took flowers for my partner and uh, the and I took something small for the other two girls. And you so are then, such a lovely man. Anyway, so I'm sitting there and I'm like I'm surrounded by this rainforest that I've bought and uh, <laughs> talking to this guy who's there by himself and he says, "Oh, why are you here?" And I, I didn't quite know what to say, so I was like, "Oh, you know, I'm friends with blah blah over there." 
And he's, oh, yeah, right. Well, you must know her boyfriend. And it, it, it said the name of the guy that she'd hooked up with. And this guy's like tall with long blonde hair and playing guitar. Oh, and then, and I'm like, you know that moment where all the colour and the soul drains oh, out of you. Oh, I know it. And then I went out the back to afterwards and, you know, because that's where I was going to meet her. And then I kind of, I forget what the guy's name was. Let's just say Gary. I uh and I thought I said it like this. So, Gary. No, that's how didn't. I thought I said it. But I reckon I must have gone, so, Gary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone turned and looked and left, which meant everybody knew. Yeah. Oh, Jesus and Christ. And the embarrassment yeah. of that yeah. was like, that took ages oh, to yeah. get over. Ages. And then, then like the next relationship I was in, there was some weirdness that went on. The... Then I went out with a really uh, lovely girl, once again, still friends, but she went overseas for a while, and that was, I think that would have been actually a really solid relationship, but she went overseas for a long time. By the time she came back, you know, we were in different places. Mm. And then just over time, you just start to build this oh, thick yeah. skin over yourself. And that's what I mean. I'd just rather meet someone that I'm really attracted to and say, hey, why don't we just break up before we go out? And then uh, I won't see you for six months and then we can just be friends and it's, it'll be solid. Yeah, I think I absolutely. And I think I think if you if you start out with like a romantic heart or like and, and you know, you like it's very naive. Mm. Um, but I think if you start out like that with this idealized, especially nerds like us that grew up on movies yes. and comics and everything yes. you know it, and, and especially with the kind of stuff that we watched when we were younger maybe wasn't depicting the most nuanced or complicated aspects of relationships it was kind of the more uh you know hey you know which is which is actually what i think i actually think rome uh, not that i grew up watching romance films but i think that genre of entertainment is actually more destructive than violence you right, know, right. It, it, psychically to the you know because i think people think you know when they fall in love yeah or when they meet someone you know oh that's when the angels fly from heaven and the choir starts yeah. and fireworks go bang 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 and you realize it's like yeah it, it, it's like that neurochemically but also neurochemically you're kind of like temporarily insane like you, yeah. you all your judgments out the window yeah. you really don't know what the fuck you don't know this person it's yeah. basically a pheromonal attraction yeah um and it's unsustainable ultimately because what they don't depict in i mean more so these days but you know back in the day what they didn't depict about relationships are they're fucking hard work yeah uh it takes compromise it takes and also you go through cycles of being really irritated with the person you go through contempt cycles like yeah as you do with anyone that you're close to because yeah. the very nature of being close with someone is seeing the totality of who they are and choosing to spend time with them anyway yes because everyone has revolting sides and annoying sides and all the rest but they don't you know that's all too messy and complicated to put into narrative fiction a lot of the time so what you get is the oh it feels great all the yeah. time and when it doesn't feel great all the time or when you kind of um have a series of disappointments or heartbreaks or whatever and and you're inclined to feel a lot um i just think it's a natural defense mechanism to start kind of Scarring up and going, oh, you know, I don't know if I can do that. Also, and you know, you recognize things as well. Like, Mm. I remember the last girl that I thought maybe I was interested in dating, Mm. I wasn't sure. You know, we were hanging out a little bit, she was good fun, smart, you know, having a good time. And then, uh, like, I just know quite a few of her friends, Mm. and I'm not into them, Mm. like, I'm just not into them, yeah, like, literally, (laughs) as people. I reckon they're fucked. Yes. And I can't, 
like immediately it was like, well, I can't do that to her. I can't say, hey, look, I yeah, would like to date you, but we can never hang out with your friends yeah. because I will set myself on fire. Yeah. And I can't not say that and hang out with her and her friends because I will set myself on fire. Yeah, yeah. Either way, I'm burning. So, yeah. And also, is there part of your head that's like, well, your judgment's a bit fucked on that level, so... Oh, like, without you, a doubt, you then like you get me? a little bit... It's like, <laughs> my friends are great, but your friends are awful. Yeah. So, by the way, when I saw this movie, uh, there was... Uh, a couple of friends of mine who saw this film and they hated it. Like, mm. they hated it with an outright passion. Right. I and why. it was hilarious because I was thinking of both of them when I was watching the film. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, and they were a couple? Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it cut, I mean, I think that's the true brilliance. And, you know, Charlie Coffin, especially lately, I think, has started to get a bit of criticism. Uh, people maybe think he's cynical or whatever. Nihilistic, negative. Uh, I think his true genius as an artist is he articulates things that feel so specific. Yeah. But can't be because he wouldn't be a hugely successful writer if right. they were. Right. And I think that, you know, and, and all of his films feel so weirdly put. You know, when you do a bit of like a, a bit, a new a, a, a stand up routine and one person in the audience is, like, heave laughing. Yes. You know, you've hit them. Yes. Like, they're not even, like, uh, they're, you know, they're, their brain's melting down because they're like, yes. oh, fuck, I, I thought I was a freak for the last 20 years. Yeah. Turns out I'm not because this person's articulating exactly what I thought and there's a whole room full of people laughing. So, clearly, there's an acknowledgement yeah. of the truth of what is being said. And, and there's this relief and there's a catharsis and all these things. And I feel that the people that connect with... Kaufman's movies, it's a very similar experience. They feel very intimate and personal. Yeah. Um, I've, I've not seen another film. The only other film I've seen about relationships that articulate how kind of messy and weird and complicated they are is um, Paul Thomas Anderson's Punch Drunk Love. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. About two fucked up people yeah. just trying to figure out how to make each other happy. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, this is obviously a whole different thing, you know, that, that cycle of... You know that that just that thing that happens in yeah. in so many not just sexual or romantic relationships. It happens in friendships. You know, you meet yeah. someone, and it's like, oh my god, this person's setting my fucking world on fire. And a year later, it's like, oh god, shut up. <laughs> All right, this is suddenly an intervention for me. Like, what's happening here? Like, Jesus, no, uh, we're 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 into what we're into a long time now, mate. This is fifteen this is, years uh, next year, my friend. Mate, yeah, well, it's insane. We'll uh, we'll have an anniversary party. Um, <laughs> That's, uh, you know, funnily enough, and, you know, it's it's a name that is, you know, just loaded with too much other stuff now. But I, I learned a lot for, of, uh, I learned a lot about relationships from Woody Allen movies. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, you think about Annie Hall. movies and not Woody Allen. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, like, but it is Woody Allen. Like, yeah, it, no, like Annie Hall is, mm. like, what you were saying mm. about... Like Annie Hall's a work of genius, it and is. and it's yeah. you know, like him getting obsessed with who killed JFK, and mm-hmm. then the, the girl saying, yeah, "I think you're using this as an excuse to not make love to me." And then he looks at the camera, he's like, "Yes, she's right. Like, yeah. why is that happening?" And then yeah. you know, the things that Annie loves about him early on are the things that irk her later on, and then yeah, right. and then you know, that film ends with them bumping into each other and. Like having a coffee and it's and it's a it's a really nice moment and they you know they like it's mm-hmm. you know do they become friends I don't know but they kind of do find each other and find a nice common ground and can 
you know, look back at their relationship with a level of fondness, regardless of all the ups and downs that they go through. Yeah, I really think that there's um, there's something lost in not being able to do that. Like I, I'm similar to you in that I'm like I've had what uh, maybe four, three or four really significant relationships. Yeah, you know, a bunch of nice summer romances and stuff but yeah. you know th- three or four that were like whoa that's you know they're the big chapters in the book uh and uh most of those people uh, bar one I'm, I'm friends with all those people uh and there was a real opportunity down the line to do a stock take and to you know and to just kind of go you know like ah man i'm really sorry i was so annoying or yeah. you know da-da-da-da, whatever it is and kind of laugh about it and then there's one where that has not happened uh, and there's, it's similar to like, I feel like it's similar to a death where you didn't get to say goodbye to the person or something. Yeah. yeah. It just like, there's no, like my, 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 when my grandparents died, my grandfather, um, just got the flu and died. And I was like 21 or something. And I think in the back of my head, I knew, I didn't know he was going to die, but it was also like, he's old and you know, fucked like. And I think I kind of took the cowardly option of not, of just avoiding it, of not yeah. thinking about it. And suddenly two days later, he was dead. Yeah. And then um, uh, there was an opportunity to see him and I freaked out. I was like, I don't want to see anybody. And he was just gone one day. Yeah. And as opposed to my grandmother, who I was literally with and watched her die. Yeah. Uh, and then spent many hours uh, with her body. And there was a real sense of closure and, a, and an ending to it that was so much easier as the years went by to uh, kind of quantify the experience and see the arc of our relationship together and all the rest. And there's closure. Mm. And I feel that way with the, with this relationship where it's like, you know, it just, it like, it was spectacular. Like, you know, fireworks displays every fucking 10 minutes. Uh, but when it ended, it just ended and that was it. Right. We didn't see each other ever again. Right. Uh, and there is this lingering kind of like, you know, that was really fucking significant. Yeah. And that was really important. And we were really like enmeshed in each other's lives. And then it, and, and, it, ha- and it had to end. Yeah. Um, but to not many years later have been able to kind of go, was that, did that happen? Right. Was that, that was really intense, right? Right. It was real, right? Yeah. Uh, there's, there's kind of like a, you know, it's like dot, dot, dot. Yes. It doesn't. So you would not contact this person? Like, oh. do you, you, you kind of almost need to be at a train station kind of thing. Like you like this, like you need to bump yeah, into yeah, each yeah. other in a completely not expecting it. So you can't build it up. Oh yeah. yeah. And. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Like, you know, um, to, like, you know, we lived within a five kilometer blast radius of each other for years after we split up. And I'm, mm. and you know, everyone I know has bumped into her at some point mm. over the years. And I feel like, you know, it's almost like our auras have kind of magnetic, you know, it's opposite oh, yeah. magnets. Like, yeah, just, yeah. Need some space. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, one minute you're- We lived in- like 40 lifetimes in that few yeah. years, you know. One minute you're in Newtown and then for some reason you just have an urge to quickly walk to Redfern. Yeah, 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 like- yeah. I mean, for all I know, we were on the same train carriage multiple times, but I was yeah. upstairs and she was downstairs. You know, yeah. it's just that, I, 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 you know, I mean, whatever. I don't know if I believe in auras or spirits or whatever, but it does feel, yeah. it, it feels hilarious that virtually everyone knows. Like, oh, I saw her the other day. Yeah. Or whatever. And it's like, you know, within a kilometre of where I live. And it's like, oh, n- never. No. Not once. No. Man. <laughs> well, 
We're 25 minutes in. We're up to our second segment. Okay. The, uh, <laughs> who'd have thought that this movie was going to bring out all of this stuff really... apart from you and me knowing exactly that this is where this was going. But this was is good. Funny you said, like, the relationship I was just talking about, this was the last... No, this wasn't the last movie. We watched this movie in one of our many, many breakups, and this movie got us back together. Right. Yeah. We'd broken up. And we were like, you know, it was one of those 10 hour fucking, you know, epic arguments, you know, where you, you stop five hours in to have a snack and you're laughing yeah. and then you're back to fighting oh, yeah. and all the rest. <laughs> um, and then, you know, it finally ended with like, you know, that's it. You know, it's got to, this has to, this is, you know, it's toxic. It's got to end, rah, rah, rah. And we chuck on Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Wow. Weep all the way through it. And by the end, the moral of the story being like, yeah, you know, hey, like we're going to fuck each other up. But so what? We love each other. Let's get back together. Right. <laughs> Like, not like not an awful message, but maybe not the message you needed not to hear at that point. Not the message we needed right then, no. That's so funny. <laughs> well, uh, our segment, Google Me Chuck, uh, the top three responses when you Google Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Uh, the first one is, what was the point of Eternal Sunshine <sighs> of the Spotless Mind? And uh, the answer was, uh, with a blah, blah, blah. Writer Ch- Charlie Kaufman and director Michelle Gondry have created a film whose entire purpose is to blur and fade a self-erasing tribute to the fragility of memory and love. I don't know. Okay, that's mm. quite nice. Yeah. Uh, second question, do Clem and Joel end up together? And the third question is... Really fascinating because this is a real. It gives you a real sense mm. of who's watching mm. these films. How does Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind relate to psychology? And yeah. and it, it, it was a longer answer, but part part of it was extends the science based theory of memory reconsolidation and the instability of the decla- declarative and emotional aspects of memory into the realm of science fiction. Mm. Uh, segment first context: These are some of the science fiction movies that came out before and after. In the year 2000, Battlefield Earth. John Travolta with that uh, great wig. 2001, AI, artificial intelligence. Oh, yeah. Maybe that'll be in the next season when we want to have a nervous breakdown. Uh, 2002, (laughs) the Soderbergh Clooney version of Solaris. Oh, yeah. Uh, 2003, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. 2005, Serenity. Never seen that. Uh... Yeah, interesting. Oh, like, Joss Whedon, right? <clears throat> yeah. I, it's mm. weird. I saw the movie before I ever saw the TV series, mm. and I kind of enjoyed the movie, but there's something about Joss Whedon's work that, <laughs> apart from him, like, never trust a man who wears a T-shirt that says, I'm a feminist. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But, I've um, been saying that for years. <laughs> but there's something about, like, like I really enjoyed Buffy, uh, but it's funny. I just find a lot of his stuff just, it's, it, like, you know, if you go back and watch Avengers, which I remember enjoying at the cinema, mm-hmm. like having a really good time. Yeah. And then when you kind of rewatch it, you go, this is really slow and takes ages. And so, what, so what's going on with some of these shots? But it kind of had to, right? Like it had to. Yeah, but there's still ways to do that better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, I can't, I can't remember a more spectacular fall from grace than Joss Whedon. Remember when, like, everyone fucking loved that guy? Like, yeah. loved that guy. Yeah. Oh, he's so woke. Oh, he's a feminist. Well, oh, was... he's so progressive. And then, like, whoa. Yeah. Backlash. You know, like, it was it was groundbreaking mm. when Buffy came along where he took the girl who is the one who's normally killed first in a horror movie and mm. makes her the lead, mm. you know? And there's some 
really brilliant episodes of that. But anyway, so I, I enjoyed Serenity at the time. I don't know if I would rewatch right, it again. Right. 2006, The Prestige, which is, mm. you know, mm. is science fiction, mm, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And 2007, I Am Legend. I literally oh. put that there because I wanted to tell you the story about uh, a girl that one of my mates dated mm. who was not very bright, but had more opinions than everybody. Mm. And one day she was just like, oh, I hate Will Smith. I hate him. He's so up himself. He's so up himself. Do you see what his new movie's called? I Am Legend. <laughs> anyway, I told my friend we cannot hang out anymore while you're dating her because she is hard work. And then <laughs> I, saw, I saw that with a, a, a couple who, um, and me and... The woman sat there like crying with laughter through the whole movie at how shit it was. And when it ended, the dude was like, I actually thought it was pretty good. And you saw something die in his girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we well, are done. Uh, I went and saw it at IMAX because the, what was on before it? Yeah. The first six minutes of Dark Knight. Of course. And I saw that beautiful fucking shot of... Heath Ledger's Joker fill up that IMAX screen and I went, we are fucking in for a ride. Take a drink, everyone. Christopher Nolan, why do you make me so happy? (laughs) I've watched Tenet about five times this week because I'm so tired and then I just go and I put it on and I just sit there going, what a great movie to watch when you're tired. (laughs) Yeah, I find it really relaxing. I deserve to be friends with Like me with the Under the Skin soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh, I like that uh, that uh, that sound that that when they're gonna get the truck, and it's that it sounds like metal tearing. Yeah, and, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, anyway. yeah. And I really like John David. Anyway, whatever uh, segment the year that was. These are some of the movies that came out that year in two thousand and four. Yeah. So imagine you go and see Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and around it you get Alien versus Predator, Ugh. The Day After Tomorrow, <sighs> Primer. Primer, yeah, right. Yep, and Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2, what Alfred a great Molina. film. Yeah. yeah, great movie. I still remember the first time I saw that movie. I remember the anticipation before that film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like the I, I feel like the missteps in the third film make people forget that the first two Fucking great. are good fun. Great. You know, and some really tense moments. You know, in the first one when he's hiding up on the ceiling yeah, with the blood. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all... I think people, I think, uh, people don't realise that the high camp of those movies is intentional as well. So, one of my... All right. Like, fucking Tangent City today. But yeah. one of my right. frustrations right. is the... You know, when he goes, you know, for lack of a better term, emo in yeah, yeah, yeah. Spider-Man 3. completely self-aware. Yes, it's really funny. Yeah. It's it's like in the second film where that, there's that montage to raindrops keep falling on my head and even, yeah. and even and he freezes. freezes. <laughs> yeah, and it's so funny. And it's the wheels spinning off and flying yeah, it's off. it's great, man. Like, I, Spider- I, I rewatched Spider-Man 3 last year. I will go out on a limb and say it is better than at least half a dozen modern Marvel movies. Yes. I don't think it's as shit as, or, you know, like it's overstuffed and whatever. You know, it's still you, really entertaining. You, I, I would still rather watch that than Thor 2 yeah. or some other piece of shit. You know, it's um, uh, like if they if they just let him do Sandman like he wanted, yeah. like the moment when he becomes Sandman is it's great. unbelievable. Anyway, so I hadn't seen this movie in a long time and it was funny like suddenly seeing its influence on a, a lot of movies, TV shows. I, I could see some uh, Inception in there. I could see some leftovers. Uh, ironically, my memory of the film was different to my experience this time. 
So I'm curious, how was your viewing of the film this time around? Because I, I kind of remembered it being really emotional all the way through. Mm. But then when I watched it, for me, it's, it's the, the, the moment that it um, becomes more emotional for me, it's right at the end. Yeah. And it's two scenes, Kirsten Dunst asking Mark Ruffalo if she looked happy in his memory of her. Yeah. Once again, her performance, unbelievable. Yeah, she's like, great. she's just, yeah. like, I always liked her. But yeah. after that, Sophia Coppola run, and, like, I've, I feel like I have a new yeah, yeah. Uh, appreciation yeah. for her. And then the final scene of Joel and Clem feeling how it might all turn out and deciding to go ahead anyway. Mm-hmm. And so it's funny. I thought the whole movie was like that. Yeah. But it wasn't. It's just those two scenes at the end. And because they're right at the end, that's how I remembered it. Yeah, of course. It. I mean, I, I, I found myself getting a little bit emotional this time around uh, just with memories disappearing in the kind of realisation of, like, you know, I'm sure everyone does this to a degree. I definitely have done this where it's like you kind of deliberately try to eliminate memories, mm. you know, because at the time they're so painful mm. without the realization that years down the track when they're not necessarily going to be so painful, they're going to be really hard to access, if not mm. gone altogether. Mm. And so certain moments like there's that moment where she's, I think they're lying on the ice together and she's, uh, Kate Winslet's like pulled back mm. into the shadows, like mm. pff, gone. Yeah. Stuff like that really upset me this time. Where it's yeah. like, oh, that's like, you know, that's a bit more true to life than I remember. That, yeah. um, like I say, I think, you know, you know, I, I, virtually every movie we've talked about, probably virtually every movie is different at different aspects of your life. This one landed very differently this time, uh, off the back of, what we were talking about earlier of kind of getting to a stage in life where you're a bit more prickly and, yeah. you know, standoffish, not not as willing to put yourself... And kind of like, you know, uh, it's hard not to go down that whole rabbit warren of like, oh, I, like, am I ever going to have one of those again? Right. Like, am I ever going to be lolling in bed on a Sunday morning with someone just kind of like, you know, half-lidded eyes, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, or, or is that kind of like, are you too kind of for that now? Yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a really good question. It it did kind of make me uh, like think about things in a different way. Mm. Uh, and you, you're right. You know, once you rewatch this film, then you now have sixteen, seventeen years of life experience mm. to add to it mm. as well. Uh, you know, there's a part of me that sort of thinks, "Am I, am I being a bit of a coward? Am I being mm. not uh, yeah. true to myself? You yeah. know, like it is." It, it's funny. So, by uh, the the therapist I've been seeing for like four or five years, mm. like she kind of brought up uh, something recently where she was saying, "I kind of feel like that you would be up for a relationship," and you, I just like I didn't disagree with it, but that to me was like her saying, "Oh, I think you would like to wear a kilt." Oh, what? <laughs> I've never thought about it. Like, do you know uh, what I mean? So, I think it's also like I like. And, you know, this could be, you know, the, 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 the brain artificially placing barriers, you know, impossible barriers in place to kind of avoid vulnerabilities. But, you know, I, I like I, I, I believe that I would be completely up for a relationship. But now I'm at a place where it's like, well, you know, the person's got to be super smart. They've got to be funny. i got to feel really relaxed. You know, there's like right. so many like checklist boxes now right you know and and like i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because it's like you know i mean fundamentally 
you know, if you're going to be in a relationship, best case scenario, you want to be spending a lot of your time with this person. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so my threshold for who I spend time with in a platonic sense is so high. Yeah. You know, yeah. time's running out. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, you know, um, so, you know, like, it's not to say, oh, settle or, you know, it's not that, but it's it's like, oh, you know, if t- to be in a relationship with someone at this stage... Like it would just have to be, yeah. I, th- I think that's I think that's what it is. I think I've gone part. I've gone through the whole like searching online and dating sites and all that shit and yeah. auditioning and all that, and just kind of gotten to the point where I realized like it's like ah, uh, I think if it happens, it's just got it, it's it's like you're suddenly on the ride and you don't really have a choice. Yeah, there's not really a lot of kind of frontal lobe decision making involved. It's like oh, this is happening. Yeah, and they depict that really well in the. Uh, opening of this film, that first twenty minutes, yeah, where they, you know, they're talking on the train, and then suddenly they're in the car together, and, yeah. and you can see him just kind of like half giddy, like whoa, like uh, this is, uh, this is out of my control. This is yeah. a, this is something rolling down a hill now, yeah. Uh, and I think that's how it's got to be. I like the, the the last relationship I was in was um, two years ago, and that was the first one in a long time where uh, me and the other person met organically and not on a dating site and it was hugely different. Right. All the, you know, it's not to say that I didn't have nice, uh, nice experiences on dating sites, but I mean, the other thing with dating sites is for the most part, it's really fucking scarred up people. It's like dodging cars made out of meat, smashing into each other. Will you fix me? Are you going to be the one crash? (laughs) Oh God. Dodging Uh, cars made out of meat (laughs) needs to be the title of your next show. (laughs) We've got the next 10 shows for me playing. Yeah, this is great. Um, But you know, it very much felt like that, you know, especially, uh, you know, Past your thirties, you know, I'm, I'm sure yeah. it's very different when you're in your twenties. But you know, when you're like 35 plus, it's very much like an audition for the next love of your life. Mm. Uh, or that was the experience I had. And you know, there's, there's a there's a level of um, kind of uh, panopticon on yeah. it that's like, oh, this is very oppressive. There's nothing very organic about yeah. how this is unfolding. Um, you know, and then all the questions of like, you know. Do you want kids? Do you not want kids? All that shit is much more at the fore than it would be earlier on. Uh, as opposed to when I met my last partner, um, we just bumped into each other one night and right. we started talking and right. it was just nice. Yes. There was no, uh, there was no pressure. There was no uh, expectation. It just, yep. ca- it just organically rolled out. Um, and I think that's what it is now. I think... And I think that's what a lot of people maybe are missing. Maybe maybe not younger people, but people our age are missing in that whole running to the online sites. Yeah. I don't know anyone who's on an online site. It's like, oh, I love it. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, it's fucked. I hate it. Yeah. Well, I think there's, you know, like I understand the algorithm of ticking boxes to, but you can like, you can like the same person or thing and have completely different reasons for liking it you know oh, like totally. like you could be i don't know like you could both be rolling stones fans but you know she hates all the good albums and only likes the latest ones <laughs> and you're like yeah. oh well, you and know. also don't underestimate like you know having divergent interests and how you know nourishing that is yeah you know i think that's the thing the algorithm you know, the algorithm is just a computer program and it is, you know, oh, you are 98% compatible. Yeah. What? <laughs> what does that because mean? Because we both vote green yeah. and, like, you know, 
like silent films, we're ninety eight percent compatible. I don't know. Like, yeah. what about your fucking soul? What about yeah. your your heart? What about your morals? You definitely want to date someone who's going to introduce you to things that you've never heard of before or thought of before. Just your brain takes. Yeah. Fuck yeah, man. Fuck yeah. One of the aspects I love about this movie is the aesthetic. On the one hand, we had technology beyond anything we've imagined, but it kind of looks like it has way too many cables and could <laughs> fall apart at any second. Uh, what is it about this type of approach to advanced technology that is so appealing? Uh, and by the way, I just want to add, I also love The Office, which could be anywhere and for any normal oh, business. It's a really seedy little yeah. place, right? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this technology, it's, it's probably what's going to start happening with a lot of advanced technology uh, coming going forward. You know, meatless meat and genetic engineering and stuff is yeah. that, like all technology, you know, it's like when iPod headphones first came out they're like whoa this is advanced technology you can buy them for three bucks now at any fucking oh yeah two dollar shop i mean they're the dodgy fucked up version that breaks within three days yeah but you know it's it's still there in a very kind of um you know basic fashion this place feels like this technology exists on a much more large scale somewhere yeah. else and oh, these yeah. guys are like the startup that are like oh yeah we'll just get this patch and that program and yeah. put it together and we'll offer it at half price for people that can't oh, yeah. afford the I, I, I hadn't thought of that before <laughs> yeah there's some big slick yeah. blue grey uh, office yeah. you know and metallic with, the, with and, the wireless version with the wireless version and these guys are over here going yeah just plug that in there and plug <laughs> yeah, that in there totally. and put that together and oh fuck yeah. we're on fire which is you know which is which totally lends itself to the the technicians being in their like early 20s yes. getting stoned while oh. they're doing their job while, while zapping some guys <laughs> memories like and yeah it's really funny well it's uh and I, there's just a chunkiness to that kind of aesthetic yeah. that I find appealing as yeah. well. It's that thing that um, um, I saw an interview with Matt Groening when Futurama first came out. Uh, and he was saying, like, one of the funniest things in the world to him was advanced technology, but it's still like today where it's all fucked and broken. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, whoa, we can fly to the moon, but the spaceship's still yeah. a piece of shit. So we were, uh, we filmed uh, some episodes of uh, The Chase over the last three days. Yeah. So we filmed nine episodes in the last three days. Yeah. And uh, randomly, out of nowhere, uh, for the final chase, which is their names, yeah. and it is computer generated. Yeah. So, but for some reason, and no one could work it out, there was like a, Dong, kind of note from a piano that every time someone pressed their name, and this was before we went into it, and they'd like everyone's laughing. We're like, where is that coming yeah, from? Yeah. Never found out where it came from. Yeah. Nobody knows how it got there, and you know how we fixed it? Turned it off and turned <laughs> it off. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. Yeah, just smash it. Yeah, I think it's like, it's so funny with the advanced technology where everyone's like, you know, oh, look at us, look at us, and then as soon as it goes wrong, everyone just scurrying around. You know, like it is the 1940s or yeah. whatever. And like, little, like, ah, <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. You realize, like, we're not as far along as we think we are. Yeah, yeah. Things yeah. look really cool, but like, everything still just, breaks. Like, you know, like, I think that's how they fix things in space as well. Just turn it on and off. I'm in space. <laughs> um, I'm glad that you brought up uh, the, the young people. This is a non linear tale. So I think it's kind of uh, good to approach it in that way rather mm. than try and work our way through it yeah. uh this is a movie about relationships and a good time to talk about the supporting cast let's go straight to elijah wood oh, as God. patrick words great name small but pivotal role what, what was your take on patrick just fucking yuck man yuck yuck he's probably he's he's, he's the pre social media version of someone who trawls someone's um profile yeah 
to learn as much as they can about the person before actually talking to them. Yeah. You know, so that they can say all the right things at all the right times. It's yep. such a grotty fucking mercenary way to get to know someone. When, yeah. he's, when he's saying the lie, it, it's perfectly summed up when he's, they're lying on the ice. Yes. And he says the lines that Jim Carrey says, but it's in the most robotic. Yes. <laughs> yes. I've never felt so alive, Clem. Yeah. <laughs> Yuck. By the way, his performance yeah, is fantastic because he is, he looks fucking sweaty. Yeah. He looks, he looks damp. Yeah. His performance is damp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's great. But and it's I a, hate him. But it's also, <laughs> but it's also coming from a place that, like he's a creep, but it's not like, you know, it's a sliding scale of creep. It's like he's not, uh, he's, 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 not- he's quasi predatorial. But it's in the most simpering kind of like yes. pathetic teenage. Yes. I just want to feel loved kind yeah. of way, which you know probably ten years down the line he's waving a Trump flag at a rally. Mate, um, that's <laughs> absolutely. This is the guy who that guy in two thousand four grows up to be the yeah. dude who gets angry at Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, you know, which you know is something that's not talked about enough. You know, um, I think there is a real problem. With uh, not obviously incels and all that fucking that whole grotty culture, you know, should be looked down on and should be criticized and everything. But I think people outright dismiss it and refuse to understand it at their own peril. Right. Because I do think that it is metastasizing into something really fucking toxic yes. and, and potentially fucking evil well that's and i think refusing to understand the root of it yes is um a recipe for disaster yes and to not address the core problem and the beginnings of where it all starts you know that's just kind of like the main thing isn't it like we're so dismissive of that which is gross or or something that we're not into and then by failing to understand Mm. what you were saying the root of the problem Mm it becomes something that's much worse. Whereas maybe mm. if you, you know, maybe this is a guy who just, like, maybe, like, you know, Mark Ruffalo's character, who's the next one I want to talk about, uh, you know, maybe if he called him out, right? Yeah. Like, he kind of... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. He kind of, you know, he makes fun of him. He's like, oh, jeez, that's full on. But if he actually sat him down and called him Dude. out, like maybe. But then again, maybe not. But it's it, it, it's interesting. Um, God, he, he reminded me of heaps of open mic male comedians, oh, which totally. seems to be my go-to every time I find a young man that I don't particularly <laughs> like. But but they, those guys are getting, you know, they're increasingly getting angrier and angrier because you know, especially the 
the guys in their late teens, early twenties that you're seeing coming up. You know, you know they've really grown up in the in the last five years where the wider culture is like, yuck, you're fucked. Yeah, you're a man and you're yeah. evil and you're inherently fucking bleh, all this. Yeah, and I get it. I get. I understand backlash. I understand, but you know, I don't know where you think that's gonna lead. Yeah, you know, I think that's why the alt right is well, one of the reasons the alt right is growing in numbers because if you've got the main contingent of society, you know, going fuck you, your time's over, get the fuck out of my way, you know, you're, you know, basically fuck off and die. And then you've got a smaller contingent of society that's like, hey, come over here. We like you. Yeah. And all of their ethics and all of their ideologies are putrid and poison. Yeah. It's it's kind of, you know, it, it, like the, the, you can see how this all plays out, right? Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's pretty obvious how it's all going to go. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, you know, that, um, that childish rhetoric mm. is ultimately dangerous. Well, I mean, just it, just that kind of extremity on either on any side is not right. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. shit's more complicated than that. Yeah, any, <laughs> everything's it, more complicated than that. Oh yeah, like look, <laughs> I bang on about the things that I love, but there's heaps of their fan of the same fans of the stuff that I love that I just don't want to be in a room with. Oh, totally, absolutely. Um. Yeah, so he's a very fascinating character. Mark Ruffalo is Stan Fink. Great name again. Stan Fink. Is an interesting character. Um, he, I, I'm curious to know what you think of Stan. For me, he's where the obsession of work meets the emotional truth. And I think he's mm. a... I think you you see by the end of the film, I think he's a grown-up. Like, I think yeah. he's really, you know, he's not just working and he's kind of learned a lesson. Yeah. And it's uh, it's pretty fascinating. It's a, it's a really subtle performance from Ruffalo as well, I reckon. Yeah, and I think his um, the the conclusion of his um, the last interaction he has with is it Mary? Yeah. Um, there's yeah, there's an emotion because you know he obviously he likes her. Oh yeah, I think he's like I think he's he's actually at the start of yeah. what he's hoping is going to be something. Yeah, and then all this stuff, you know, suddenly he discovers. Mm what's going on with her. I think he knew. Do you reckon? Mm. Well, he he said he suspected, but didn't have anything, and it was because he saw that one time. But then when... when, um, Fuck, what's the doctor's name? Oh, yeah. uh, uh, Howard. Howard. When Howard's wife arrives, you know... Well, uh, he's watching them Oh, that's right. He's watching them kiss. So, you know, but that's also... That's a uh, that's his weird duty to his boss. Yeah, but you know it's a it's a it's a misplaced loyalty, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. And then when she has a crack at him, and yeah. he's yeah, it's 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 such a small little yeah. it's a smaller role with a smaller yeah. journey, and but you kind of get to the end, you go, oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I once again, I've got written down here, you know, after our Sophia Coppola series, I'm even more enamoured with uh, Kirsten Dunst as uh, an actor. Mary feels to me to be the secretly most important character mm. in the film. And uh, what do what's your take on her? Uh, I really like her performance and I really enjoy the arc. I think her decision at the end is morally bankrupt. <laughs> to just send yeah, all that I stuff think out? I think it's yeah, well, up. It's, it's lashing it, out, isn't it's it? It's lashing out and it's the kind of decision that a young person makes, which yeah. is totally, you know, it's completely appropriate. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's necessary character. for the story to progress, which yeah. I, is maybe what I have a little bit of an issue with. 
it, it seems more like a device than a organic thing that happens. I could be wrong about that. Uh, but it just... Well, yeah. I think it's pretty shocking for her to realise that she's gone through it and then still ended up in this position. Yeah. Like, he's... Yeah. He's... He's... Like, and he's also... Like, she's had an abortion. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 of course. But it's it's still it's still that thing of, like... You know, and and look, I ultimately agree. I mean, I'm sure we'll get to this. Like, what is the, uh, what is the kind of moral uh, conundrum of eliminating a memory? Yeah, and you can say it's good or bad, or but there is no actual definitive answer. It's it's appropriate to the individual. Yeah, and obviously, all those people that came to that place to eliminate their memories. I mean, you as an as 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 a person outside of that can go, oh, that's stupid, that's immature, or that's fucked up but it's not your role to go hey guess what you did this right. thing and uh actually right. yes you yeah. know uh this horrific memory that you wanted to never think about again actually happened and well, fucking live with that now well maybe maybe you know uh joel and clem the relationship this time around actually does work without that knowledge do you know what i mean like maybe, maybe it does maybe it does like but uh, you know like I, I i would assume that there's people that have gone to that service for things much more extreme than I want to forget the person that I have oh, broken right. up with. Probably, there's you know, probably childhood trauma. There's yes, probably a whole lot yes. of stuff. And, you know, that opens up a whole avenue. If you could zap maybe not certain memories, but certain neural pathways, I reckon I probably would. Yeah. You know, certain fucking obsessive compulsive thought patterns, all the yeah. rest. Yeah, I'd probably fucking zap it out of me, man. At what point does a memory serve more of a detrimental function than right. you know like and i and you know I, th- this opens up a whole thing because ultimately we are just the accumulation of our memories and experiences and who you are is a reflection of all that but like maybe you could be a better version of you if certain like, if yeah. certain aspects were just not as intense well i don't know about that that is interesting maybe like, I, you know what? I reckon mm. for certain individuals it would be. Yeah. Whereas uh, I feel like, you know, once again, I think remembering all of this stuff for therapy mm. allows progress. But, you know, there's been a lot of digging into it yeah. and trying to learn from it. Yeah. I would, you know what I'd zap? Mm. Certain delicious foods I've eaten. <laughs> so then when I ate them again, like, imagine... Eating a Ferrero Rocher and having no idea what it tastes like, <laughs> yeah. and eating it and going, "Holy shit, <laughs> this is delicious!" I, <laughs> it would all be food, maybe certain movies. I was about to say, I'd zap, I'd zap the twists of certain movies, oh, so I could have that all over again. Oh, imagine that! Yeah, there's heaps of Hugh Jackmans. <laughs> That'd be so good. Uh, Tom Wilkinson as Doctor Howard uh, Mersey Weak. I can't remember how to say his last name. It's been a couple of weeks since i watched this he's an interesting character a brilliant but flawed man capable of great empathy like he does yeah. show empathy yeah, yeah, yeah. uh but he is also weak to his own desires and uh he's an interesting character isn't he yeah yeah i i i, I mean i just love that actor he's so good um there's certain line deliveries that are like when jim carrey's like am i gonna get brain damage from this like well technically he is brain damage yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny yeah yeah no more than a heavy night yeah. drinking i'm sure you can handle it <laughs> He's done. Uh, he's he's a he's great. You, you know what? One of his best performances mm. is is Michael Clayton. I've never seen Michael Clayton. Oh shit! Mm. Top, like it's 
one of those films that mm. uh, so I rewatched that I think maybe in the first lockdown mm. and you know I love Clooney and uh, I love Up in the Air that's probably my favorite Clooney film uh, you know Oh brother, we're out that etc. And then I rewatched this and I was like, oh whoa, I forgot great. how good this is. Yeah, and right. he is fantastic. He's great. There's a there's an uh, indie drama from the early two thousands uh, with Sissy Spacek and him in the be- in the bedroom. Yeah. And I haven't seen that since t- two thousand and two. Yeah. And I think about that movie all the time. Yeah. Right. Twenty years ago, and I or I, I can't even really remember what it's about. I just remember him and Sissy Spacek. Just yep. like, whoa, what, what performances? Yeah, interesting. Uh, Howard, you've given me a new take on Howard. Like the idea that this is the startup, and uh, you know, <laughs> putting all these things together. I, uh, it's interesting. I wonder, like, I, I kind of feel like Howard maybe got into this for the right reasons. Yeah. Uh, like, I think he is. You know, yeah. when. When Joel turns up, he's really kind of concerned and, you know, yeah. uh, but he's also, that's what I mean, he's also weak, you know. And, yeah. Uh, it, it's it's good. He's not, he's, all the characters are quite well-rounded in uh, yeah. in a movie that is, in a movie that is high concept, you need the characters to be people that you look at and you recognise. Oh, totally. And, I th- and, you know, back to Charlie Kaufman, I think that that's what he achieves in all of his work. I think if you're going to depict these uh, really complex aspects of human nature um, for it to feel relatable and not completely abstract. That yeah. you know, and you're depicting kind of not grubbier sides of people, but just complicated. Just yeah, people are fucking complicated. Yeah, yeah. and um, you know, there's it's very rare that someone is all bad or all good. Yeah, which is something that's really been lost in the year. 2021 well i'm i'm listening to uh the latest season of you must remember this which is all about sammy davis jr and uh. dean martin and like in in each story you oscillate between oh frank sinatra like really you know would when sammy davis jr first came along would actually sit with him and eat dinner mm. where back when nobody would eat with uh, mm. african-american people yeah. you know and then you know really did a lot for his career but then you hear about the way he treated sammy davis jr and it's 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 just complicated yeah. you know dean martin i love dean martin but it's a, he's a complicated dude sammy davis jr you know like that that man man it's it's a it's a life of mm. awful tragedy of him and him just desperately trying to fit in but also great successes and yeah 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 that's what well, life is well yeah i mean we, we yeah we forget that well, again it's it's the whole memification of fucking society where because everything's migrated to online you know everything needs to be in a, a soundbite yeah. or a fucking yeah 165 characters or whatever bullshit it is yeah. uh all the nuance of life sucked down to some two-dimensional plane um we forget that people are by and large, product of their times and their circumstance. And, yeah. you know, like, yeah. people can evolve and people can change and people can, you know, hopefully move towards something better yeah. than what they are. But to wholesale, you know, try and wipe out whole swathes of, of, of people because they said a dumb thing or they yeah. thought a shit, you know, a demonstrably shit thing yeah. is really fucking reductive. You know, my grandpa... We talked about this on a previous podcast, I think. My grandpa was really uncomfortable about gay people. Mm. Was he a disgusting homophobe that needed to fuck off and die and get out of the way? Or was he yeah. a guy that was born in 1916 yeah. 
in a village with no traffic lights who then went through the Holocaust, had his entire family murdered, yeah. never really had any interactions with gay people and... Yeah. You know, that, it's complicated. Yeah. My, my grandfather was uh, ostensibly, uh, you know, probably by the uh, letter of the law, homophobic. Mm. Favourite band? Queen. Thought Freddie Mercury was fantastic. <laughs> one of mum, uh, one of uh, mum's best friends that, the one that he liked the most was the gay hairdresser. <laughs> you know, so. That's exactly, that, yeah. the, 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 I mean, I think I've said it before, but that, that's eventually what turned my grandpa around. Yeah. Was my um, two, my mum's two best friends are the husbands. Yeah. You know, and, and it, it, but it had to be an evolution. He had to get to that point. Yeah. As, as so, you know, and I think we're, we're denying now that, 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 that um, social conventions are, they're evolving in, a, a right direction, but they're evolving yeah. very quickly. Yeah. And there are people who are still kind of like, wait a sec. Yeah. Like I've spent nine tenths of my life with one paradigm and suddenly the paradigm's different. I just need a second to yeah. kind of augment the way I think about things yeah. before you start telling me that I'm a fucking evil person that needs to fuck off. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a fundamentalism that's connected with it. That's very similar to religion. Yes. And I really think that that's what's happening in the, you know, as religion dies, as religion kind of seeds to the background, there's still that very human need for absolutism, absolutism and fundamentalism and, yeah. and condemn condemnation and talking yourself up as some great enlightened being that hasn't gone anywhere. It's yeah. just glommed onto the extreme right and the extreme left and the vast majority of us in the middle kind of going, can we just... Relax. Can everyone just chill the fuck out, please? Yeah, yeah. Yes, just... <laughs> can, we, can everyone listen? Yeah, just shut the fuck up. You don't like, have to have every opinion. Yeah, you know, you're probably wrong. Like, you know, or if you're not wrong about this, you're wrong about something else. Like, yeah. you know... There is shit that we will look back at, you know, if we're still fucking here, take a drink, in 20 years, uh, there is there is things that we take for granted as normal today that people will look back at with horror and disgust. Mm, yep. Uh, let's talk about the main characters. Joel Barish is an introverted man who fails to express himself. Uh, how did you feel about Joel when you first saw the film compared to this viewing? Because I oh. was less sympathetic to him this time. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I, honestly, I couldn't tell you how I felt about him the first time. It was such a long time ago. Uh, I, 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 I think I related to him a little bit this time, just in that, in that kind of, um, you know, hiding in his shell kind of, right. You know, back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, that kind of, you know, putting barriers up. Uh, I, 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 you know, I relate to that. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I definitely understand that aspect of him. There were just little things that I noticed this time, which I'd never really noticed before. We were like, what happened to his ex? Well, what happened to Naomi? You know, oh, yeah, like, that's, that's kind of yeah. brushed aside. Like, I don't think it's brushed aside in, in the storytelling, yeah. but it's just kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's funny. He, like, you know, when he runs away from the house. Yeah. Um, I, like, I understand wishing that he'd stayed, you mm -hmm. know, like, well, I think we all have those kinds of uh, memories, yeah. but um, yes. there's just something, uh, I don't know, there's, uh, I don't know what it is, but there was just something about the, uh, I think the performance is great, mm. but there's just something about the character this time around that I was a bit like, uh, you know what? Speak up, mate. Yeah, well, like, there's a simpering, make, make more effort. There's a simpering kind of victim complex that he has that is pretty uh, yuck. Yeah, and she, uh, um, Clementine, 
articulates that yes. at some point in the movie. Just yes. that kind of fuck, stop feeling so fucking sorry for yourself. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, like, I'm, I'm probably, like, embarrassed or a little bit ashamed to a minute, but I've definitely played into that. That kind of, like, mm, sulking, you know, to yeah. get a reaction kind of garbage yeah. behaviour. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, I guess maybe maybe that's uh, what I had difficulty with this time. It feels like a very uh, young response mm. uh, or less mature response, yeah. and that's what I wasn't into. On the flip side, I was all about Kate Winslet yeah, in great. this film. Like, just, <laughs> like... Honestly, one of her greatest performances. She is a spontaneous extrovert who possibly has a borderline personality disorder while also being highly intelligent. And I was captivated by her. I always thought her performance was great, but you, you, even though she's impulsive, you, you can see what's setting her off and all the reactions. She has an exciting brain. She's a very attractive mind. Yes. Uh, and I think the performance is extra uh, notable because at the time she was ba- mainly doing kind of, you know, Jane Campion. Yes. Not, not Jane Campion. Who am I thinking of? Uh, you're thinking about like uh, the Merchant Ivory films yeah, and Titanic kind of and, you know, yeah, yeah. she's wearing a corset and, and all that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then suddenly, you know, she's in the Jim Carrey put yeah. role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. As, as it were. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Critics have pointed out how Clementine's character criticizes the manic pixie dream girl type, mm. especially her line. Too many guys think I'm a concept or I complete them or I'm going to make them alive, but I'm just a Uh, fucked up girl who's looking for my own peace of mind. uh, Don't assign me yours. And two things. I did think that while watching this time, but it's funny. Like I had that reaction going, oh, this was really criticizing that. But when I did research, it was um, the critic who coined that phrase. That came out years uh, after. Oh, really? So this movie came out before yeah 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 so he's really ahead of the curve on yeah. criticizing that type of uh character uh, yeah but at the same time it's really hard not to kind of fall in love with her <laughs> right yeah yeah well that's you know it's she's very like exceptionally charming funny intelligent you know woman. Like, there's it's- there's it's like the problem is is that the, there are versions of this character that are written well. Like yeah. there's, there's the, I think, I don't know what it's called off the top of my head, but there's a new criticism about having male characters who are emotionally confident and, you know, yeah, right. not, not quite as well built and stuff like that. And there's right. a pushback. Oh, here we go. It's, you know, it's the male version of the manic pixie girl. Oh, look at this guy. And it's like, you know how we've kind of talked about do, does the art that the world creates mm. help create the world? Yeah. So maybe if we write better characters, maybe we will create better people. <laughs> well, of course. Yeah. And also, hey, guys, there's 7 billion people on the planet. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, virtually any personality type that you can think of exists. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and sure, some of them are, you know, weighted too heavily and de- being depicted on screen. Mm. But I, I don't know. It's just... Whatever. I just, like, it's just not something I have room to be angry about. No, I just, you know, I mean, I, I, I got to wonder, is this whole kind of, like, outrage machine, is it kind of starting to wind down? I just feel people seem exhausted. Yes, yes. People seem so, exhausted with this constant yes. fucking, oh, this is what I'm now, just this, like constantly searching for some like something to be fucking furious about yes so i was uh, talking to a friend earlier this week and i was saying you know like i 
I feel terrible for saying this because I've had a really good year mm. and a really busy year, but I am running on fumes. Like, mm. I am exhausted. And, you know, from the moment that I booked my flights back to Adelaide and knowing the work that I need to do to be able to provide myself some headspace mm. to unwind and see family, it's kind of overwhelming this mm. week. And my friend said, and I thought this was perfect, it's like we have collectively run a marathon and we've gotten to the end and we've been told, that was great, only 15 k's to go. <laughs> and you go, what? What? Yeah, what do you yeah, mean yeah, 15 yeah, k's yeah. to go? Yeah. I'm done. Yeah, done. <laughs> I'm ready for nine eyes. Yeah, it's, um, I, I, you know, I was, I mean, maybe I, I could be wrong, but it does feel a little bit like the whole COVID thing and everything. It's, someone said to me the other day, COVID control alt deleted society. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 it really did. <laughs> That's really funny. And it feels like, you know, it just kind of, maybe it's, maybe it's gotten people to a point where they're like, oh, like I just, well, just it, give me some fucking peace and quiet. Well, you know, uh, this might make people laugh, but to sometimes cheer up Ben, I show him NBA basketball <laughs> players being nice to kids. And, uh, and like ongoing clips like the one with Steph Curry today yeah. you know and uh, a friend of mine in the states he's an NBA fan and he just went on this tirade about the Golden State Warriors how much he fucking hates them and how they've ruined <sighs> basketball and all this kind of stuff and I, I have a lot of affection for this friend yeah. and I just looked and went that's sad for you because you know what this team is Full of joy, and yeah. it does heaps of good things. And uh, well, it might not be the style that you like, but yeah. like you're being angry, and I'm watching Steph Curry with a random kid holding up a sign saying, "Let's play rock paper scissors, best of three. And if I win, I get your shoes, and if you win, you get my shoes." And what I love about it is Steph played him, and he won. He didn't give yeah. him the victory. Yeah. Steph won, and then signed his thing, and then gave him his shoes anyway. Yeah, you know, right. it's that's like right. like. Too bad, so sad for you. I'm having a good time with Steph Curry. <laughs> uh, two other characters I want to mention because they're only in it for a short amount of time. I know, yeah. yeah Robin Carey Eakin, played yeah. by David Cross and Jane Adams. Yeah. What a fucking yeah. troubling relationship. Yeah. And some of the best lines are like, you, they're not even in the scene. Like, you just hear the voiceover of David Cross going, oh, yeah, I crashed the plane, yeah. you know? <laughs> They yeah, are. Yeah, they're the couple that should have broken up. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. You know, yeah. just the, the moment of anger, you know, well, we should fucking tell him. Like, the, it, it's yeah. so small. Yeah. But that, those two really nail that yeah, yeah, relationship. Yeah. yeah, it's the relationship that's all contempt now. On a nicer note, what do you think of the special effects throughout the film? Because I thought they still really hold up. Yeah, and, right. uh, Beautiful as well, like yeah. uh, the scene of the bed suddenly appearing on the beach. It 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 it, it feels real, even when they're quite clearly in memories yeah. that are falling apart. Well, it's because most of the effects are in camera. Yeah, there. I I don't know if there's. Any, I'm sure there are a couple of digital augmentations in this. Yeah, but for the most part, it's um. There's a great special feature on the Blu-ray of all of his little camera tests that he was doing to try right. and um. You know, there's there's a brilliant one I watched where he filmed sand mm. ink kind of dispersing itself through sand so the white sand turning black mm. and then he would project that onto an actor's face 
so that their face is slowly dissolving oh, in camera right. into blackness and disappearing. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, like just stuff, yeah, <laughs> oh my it's God. fucking brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. I did not see that. Um, we know that the memory of Clementine tells Joe to meet her in uh, Montauk? Montauk? Uh, why do you think Clementine goes there? Because it's his memory of her. Yeah. So why does she go there? Does she go there because, because it was an important place and it's the last memory they both had that she's had a similar thing happen and we just don't need to see it? Well, I think she she has her kind of pivotal moment on the ice with Elijah Wood where oh, she realises yes, yes. something's terribly wrong. Yeah. I just think I just think it's a I just think they're both drawn back to this place. I think it's uh, I think it's just that, that it's, it's keeping it with the metaphor of the movie of you know like yeah you can you can eliminate this thing but you're just you, you will cycle back into well, it. But also yeah he's he's reminding her yeah. of the things that have been deleted yeah. so that's why her subconscious takes her back yeah. there. But it's in- interesting yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a weirdly cut wrenching scene. Joel pretends he's been killed and Clementine just steps <laughs> over him. And it's like like so that's one of the scenes. Uh, like, that's one of the scenes that I'm very confused about mm. because, on the one hand, I, I do feel bad for him, but yeah. also, <laughs> m- maybe, like, this is not the right time to do this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Again, it's leaning into that kind of maybe emotional immaturity of, like, or, you know, not emotional immaturity, I don't know. I think he's just reaching for something, reach, reaching for a moment that isn't accessible right now. Yeah. You know, like, uh, which I get, you know, that, yeah. that, 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 that yeah. I think the more heartbreaking part of this depiction of a relationship isn't necessarily even the breakup. It's that it's those moments where you realize that it's going. Yeah. And you're trying to recreate moments from earlier on when you're more giddy. Yeah. You know, that, you know, there's no more beautiful. I mean, you know, I spoke earlier about that feeling of dread when I realized of falling in love. But conversely, there is no there is no greater feeling than those first few months of just falling into each other. It's it's yeah. the best. It's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Um. You know, and uh, and conversely, the most heartbreaking thing isn't necessarily the end. It's 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 the it's the couple of months before the end. Yeah. Where, ba- where ba- maybe both people know the writing's on the wall. Yeah. And yet. You can't quite call it yet. Yeah, don't know how to get out of it. And that's when, you know, when they lash out, when Mm. he lashes out about her sexuality as a tool to make people like her, Mm. which maybe has, you know, a level of truth to Mm. it as well. But it's interesting because they don't know how to maturely untangle themselves from this. It's funny. She prods and pokes and constantly niggles. And then when he finally reacts, he stabs. Yeah, you know, and yeah, yeah. and then and then it's it is a perfect summation of that type of relationship. Yeah, it's the it's the, ca- it's the casual abuse is probably a, a, a too loaded a word, but it's the for want of a better term the, the casual abuse that happens towards the end where it's like neither party wants to kind of. Or, or maybe is incapable of sitting down and going, "Hey, dude, this is yeah. not great. We need to, yeah, you know." And, and I think there's a particular kind of relationship that that lends itself to the, the more kind of deranged, you know, we, we fucking love each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, both my favorite and least favorite type of relationship. Yeah, um, <laughs> deranged kind of psychotic love. 
um, burn the world down, love. Um, and so towards the end, it becomes that kind of like, you know, I dare you to break up with me. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going to start acting so fucking, I'm going to start acting like such a motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to make this really hard for you. Yeah, Where, yeah, yeah. So you should just say, hey, this isn't working, not working and let's try and do this as clinically as possible yeah. for both our sakes. But, you know, that wouldn't lend itself to what has anything that's come before. If it's just been raw passion and... Yeah. And excitement and giddiness, you know, as if you're going to get to a point where you're like, hey, we need a real serious conversation. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Of course, that a... same passion is going to inject itself into the end, of yeah. course. I, that, that on-again, off-again relationship, I remember we had an argument once and it was really full-on. Mm. And she said some awful things to me and I said some awful things to her. But what was great was at one point we both started laughing because mm. we both realised yeah. that... What are we doing? Yeah, like yeah, this yeah. is so over the top, yeah, yeah, yeah. and actually not in character for both of us. Right, and it was actually one of the things that I held on to. That moment was one of the things I held on to in the back of my head. I didn't. I kind of kept her at arm's length for a, a couple of years. She would text me now and again, and I would always reply, but it was always just a, "Hey, I'm responding to the text. Mm. Nice to hear from you, but." No more. And I would text her on her birthday. And then there was just after a couple of years, 18 months, two years, we kind of tentatively yeah. caught up and it was just in a nicer place. And, you know, and then yeah. it was like much more relaxed. And then uh, it's funny. There were things that I really needed her to apologize for. And she did. And then yeah. and then it was like unprompted, unprompted. Yeah, and good. then I apologize for stuff. Yeah. And then we've been. Super good pals ever since. Yeah, yeah, that, that yeah. definitely happened with an ex of mine. We kind of, a, a couple of years after the fact, were like, ah, you know. Uh, <laughs> just, again, the stop take um, of, 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 of acknowledging our deficiencies within yeah. the relationship. But I think when that theatricality is still still there in the breakup, it's not over. Yeah. You know, when, when I realized it was my most passionate relationship was actually over, because, you know, we broke up fucking, you know, 85 different times. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes I think that the breakup was just there so that we could do the, the, the makeup sex yeah. after it. Um, but when I realized it was actually oh, over. Oh, yeah, makeup sex. I'm so good. I have not uh, had that for a long time. Yeah, let's fuck each other to death. Um, but, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Remind me to put an explicit uh, E for this They're podcast. All They're all explicit. Um, but, you know, when I realized it was actually over was I just really calmly put my backpack on and was like, bye. Yeah. And yeah. The, and it was just yeah. it, it, like, and it was that lack of theatricality that was the final, oh, this is actually done. Yeah. This is done. It's done. This is cool. There's no more, there's no more passion left. Yeah. Do you have a moment in your life where you, you try to remember it differently? Like the night that they break into the house and he runs away. Um, not deliberately, but I think it just happens over time, right? Like yeah. they're, 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 they're realizing that more and more about memory. Yeah, the yeah. Memory it's, is, you, is you very... don't, it, it's recreated every time, and that's why it's your memory, you know... It's pretty unreliable. It's pretty unreliable. You're remembering the memory, and then yeah. you're remembering the memory of the memory of the... Yeah, you know, it's a photocopy of a yeah, photocopy yeah, yeah, of a yeah, photocopy. Yeah, yeah. There's, um, there's one relationship that I was in that I... Uh, I should have taken a holiday with her we were there was there was an opportunity and i've never been very good at relaxing uh, uh i like work like i like my work mm. so it's it's a very confusing thing for some people like uh, i've had some friends say geez you're 
like the podcast. Hey, you know, like take some time off. You deserve it, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And it's like, yeah, but I fucking love this. No, I love friends. the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I do. And I, it, it's it's nourishing. I love our listeners. I love hearing from them. I love creating this. And this is this is ours. You know mm, what I mean? Mm, it's mm, not mm. some fucking TV executive mm, saying, hey, do you think maybe you should do some more mainstream movies? Mm, no, mm, fuck mm, you. Mm. We we know what our supporters like and mm, we, mm, we mm, give mm. it to them. And we have all these great chats and that's fun. But what that also lends itself to is not being very good at scheduling time mm. off and there's a there's an ex that i think god it just like i'm not saying i'm not even saying this because i think it would have changed the relationship yeah. it it just she was super cool and it just would have been nice to go away with it yeah i feel that definitely I yeah feel, i could have i could have uh, been more romantic more put more of an effort in yeah. in that sense of things of you know uh i'm embarrassed to admit that i've probably been uh like too hyper aware of doing and i say this in inverted commas the right thing by everyone and in the process not doing the right thing by me and what i need such as hey let's go on a holiday yeah you know oh no i've got to do this and i've got these weird senses of responsibility that you have to people that in all honesty is not returned yeah yeah i think for me with that stuff i always saw it as uh, uh, like trite and cliche, mm. you know, whatever romantic gestures or even something like going away. It's so stupid in retrospect, right. you know, and so kind of like, you know, si- similar to how, like I went to a, a friend's band played last night mm. and, you know, when they got on stage, everyone rushed to the front and they're all clapping in unison and dancing. And I'm like some fucking Grinch up the back of the room on my own, you know, like really enjoying it. But yeah. like, just really uncomfortable with the notion of being in that throng of people. Like, right. Yeah. No, no, I'm enjoying it in my way. Oh, that's uh, okay, though. I it's don't okay, think it but I think, you know, I think that that is a symptom of that kind of resistance that I've always had in my life of being part of the yes. crowd and yes. doing what everyone enjoys doing, yeah. you know, and whether that's me... You know, whether that's kind of like a an off uh, 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 um, like a, a, a offshoot of f- feeling alienated as a teenager, being the fat kid who kind of didn't want to, you know, be exposed like that, or if it's an offshoot of me thinking that I'm better than everyone. <laughs> I don't right. know what it is, but I think that definitely lent itself to, um, you know, in relationships to not doing a grand romantic gesture or going, yeah. hey, we're going away for the weekend or whatever. That's what everyone does. I'm not looking for <laughs> like like, Yeah, yeah. You know, and then you look back on it and like, you well, it's, fucking idiot. It's all, it's all protective. That's, it's all, yeah, I think yeah. it's all that. I don't, I don't think it's arrogant. I think it's all protective yeah, all that maybe. stuff. Uh, would you use this machine on yourself? Like, uh, we kind of talk about that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I'd, know like, I don't think I would just because... Well, I'd be scared that uh, I would lose the lessons that I learned from yeah. the things that I deleted. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the lessons of how to deal with grief or the lessons mm. of, you know, we've talked about this before, you know, like, like, like just simple things like, you know, losing basketball grand finals, you know, yeah. like, which aren't, aren't important in the grand scheme of things, but I, I learned. I learned how to carry myself, and, yeah. you know, and... Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I would, uh, but I understand... I definitely do understand the compulsion to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I would, once again, specifically use it for twists on movies, <laughs> snacks, <laughs> maybe 
No, I wouldn't use it on songs because the more I listen to a song I love, yeah, the more yeah, I yeah. love it. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, does this movie still work in the current age where deleting someone from your life would be even more impossible with social media? <laughs> <laughs> like, I imagine how hard it would be now. Like, there well, now back then. Yeah, well, now you've, got to, you, now, now you've got to go through the whole thing of, like, blocking people. Yeah. You know, if, if, if you're someone that has, you know, posts a lot of stuff about them online, I often think that, you know, when you see... It's on someone's Facebook page, you know, photos all over their page of someone they yeah. broke up with. And it's like, doesn't that fucking hurt your heart every time? You know? Oh, like, yeah. Oh, there it is. It's like, again, it's that forever now. Yeah. Everything's always now, now, now. Yeah. No, I, th- I, I think um, now it's like about, you know, having to systematically block the person. Yeah. Have you seen that Black Mirror episode with John Hamm? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. fucking awful. Yeah, that That's is. Something, that, that might be a good Patreon thing to do a couple of black mirrors. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, you know what's funny is I love that series so much. And then uh, the last oh, series the last that came out, yeah, I just nice. couldn't get into it. But they're not good. That's why you couldn't get into it. Right. They're not good. I, I enjoyed, I reckon, because it's completely... Uh, stuff that we were into. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you enjoyed it, but the Choose Your Own Adventure episode to me was phenomenal, and that to me really? should have been the. I didn't like that. You didn't like it. See, that to me was. Yeah. That to me was like the equivalent of reading Animal Man, especially because I went through every iteration. Yeah, like I went I through did, the whole I thing. I just didn't think that the choices um, led to enough diversity. It felt like I, you know, you know, when I checked out, when when the guys like on acid on the building, and it's like jump off the building, don't jump off the building. And right. I jumped off the, of course, jumped off the, yeah, <laughs> of course yeah. I jumped off the building. Yeah. Um, and it was like, no, bad choice, go back, try again. It was like, well, that's oh, not yeah, yeah. choose your own adventure. Yeah. There was only one option. Also, uh, they got into, I think they got sued for using the term choose your own adventure. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I just think Black Mirror, like so many things, are, uh, you know, you had fucking 12 great episodes and that should have just stayed there. Yeah. Well, Bandersnatch felt like, to me, the culmination. I like. I didn't think it was perfect, but mm. I thought, you know, like I'd never experienced something yeah, like yeah, that yeah, before. Definitely. And the idea of controlling it, and you know, it felt very much, you know, yeah. higher dimensional beings. Fucking, <laughs> you know. Anyway, so I kind of probably added a lot more that wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, last question about the movie before we get into our last lot of segments: uh, How long do Joel and Clementine stay together after the credits roll? Uh, probably two months longer than they would have the first time around. I yeah, think, right. I, I honestly think that this is a and, you know, and it goes way back to what I said right at the beginning. Ultimately, every relationship is doomed to a certain degree. Yeah. Whether whether it be through the natural passing of time and, and death or uh, just things play out and have their lifespan. But I think ultimately they uh, they end in a, in a similar fashion. In right. Just kind of getting sick of each other. And probably with the knowledge that, that that's how it ended the first time, maybe it's a self-fulfilling prophecy this time around. Yeah, well, the final shot of the couple is running through the uh, snow together on repeat. Um, Mm. So I guess you can look at it as they make the same mistakes and it'll end awfully. Or maybe, uh, you know what, I am probably in a relatively good place. I saw it as they're going to come up against the same problems, but they're going to find a way to push through. Maybe they would. And look, you know, like I I, I know that my my ratings are pretty negative, but ultimately I see it as a very brave decision. Mm. And and, and, and actually the reverse of of the fucking morose fucking that I've been talking about in my own life. Yeah. I think in the face of total fucking heartbreak and that, you know, I mean, God, is there any worse pain in life? 
yeah. than you know the, the the than the pain of heartbreak. But in the face of that, to go, you know what? Let's go again. Well, it's it's it to me that that's why I feel like it's a positive yeah. ending and that might work because he's the the one who makes the choice. Yeah, like he's the one that's like, all right, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, segment who and how, which character do you think you would be and how would you react in their place? <laughs> um, uh, uh, the, 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 yeah, the Jim, the Jim Carrey character. I yeah, think. right. Uh, you know, I, and, 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 and probably maybe not so much now, but definitely a few years ago, that's, that spiteful decision. Like, well, you eliminated me. I'll eliminate you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, I, I've, think I would have been Mark Ruffalo's character. I think yeah. I would have been the guy who's, you know, having a good time, doing stuff, and then suddenly learns what's going on just a bit too late yeah. and ends up pretty heartbroken <laughs> over it. My, my mentors turned out to be an arsehole. The yeah. girl I love was sleeping with the mentor, and she's just ruined the business by th- throwing everything. And my mate that I work with is awful, which, which goes straight to our next segment, Zero Charisma, new segment inspired by the <laughs> E.T. put-down. Which character do you hate? And I don't hate him, but yeah, if I had to pick one that I hate, it's him, right? Oh, you know what? He's not as bad as, ultimately, not as bad as um, Tom Wilkinson, Wilkinson's character. Right. You know, I mean... Elijah Wood is in a place in his life where he doesn't know any better. Tom Wilkinson should know better. He should know better. Uh, Look, I would still probably go Elijah Wood, but I would have accepted the couple who should have broken up (laughs) (laughs) as the one person. Um, Segment, better or worse, ruin or improve the movie with one decision. Ooh, fuck. I didn't even... Do you want me to tell you mine? Yeah, please. I'd make Jim Carrey as big as Kate Winslet. (laughs) Imagine that. <laughs> Just two two hours of people yelling and gurning. And I was like, what is happening to this film? This is it's, this is post-Truman. Of course, it's post-Truman Show, right? For Jim uh, Carrey. It is. Cause, yes, it is. Because I saw Truman Show in high school. Oh, right. That's interesting. I Jim Carrey's great. Oh, yeah. He's, um, he's really good in this. Uh, and I think it's more true. Oh, yeah. Truman Show, 98. It's more true to him than the gurning. You know, I think so too. He's there's he's always a much more melancholy guy. The <laughs> smoking. Yeah, there's there's always been like one of the reasons Dumb and Dumber is a really funny film, mm. and he and he's over the top in it. Mm. But there's always a mild sadness in both his eyes and uh, Jeff. Jeff like, That's the craziest. Yeah. Because I, did, I didn't know Chip Daniels was a serious actor for most of my life. Oh, didn't lives. you? Right. Well, I think Tom and Dumb I saw Tom and Dumb when I was a teenager. I was like, oh, right, that guy's right. hilarious. Yeah. And it was only later. It's like, oh, that was like a real, oh like, my God. Have you ever left seen... a field choice oh, for him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> like, I think the first thing I saw him in was Purple Rose of Cairo, where he plays the character and the actor who comes right, in. I've to... never seen it. Have you never seen no. Purple Rose of Cairo? No. So, uh, you know what? We'll... Very quickly, Ben and I have been discussing doing a uh, a Patreon only uh, limited series called Why, and it's uh, about uh, it's movies that are really good, but by directors who have really shit. been <laughs> shit assholes. And uh, Purple Rose of Cairo is such a beautiful film, and They're it's great. so oh They're my great. god that that'll be in our. Why? Oh. <laughs> uh, segment. This is the segment that Ben introduced in our last uh, 
podcast. Where are we now? Mm-hmm. How close are we to the technology in the film? So, a little bit of research. In 2014, New York University neuroscientist Joseph Ledoux's preliminary studies suggest the idea of erasing memories is possible in humans. A brain region called the hippocampus which is tucked away in the temporal lobe consolidates short-term memories to long-term conscious memories he said it is important to remember that each time you recall something you reconstruct it so your memory of an event is only as good as your last recollection of it that's why i remember myself being a fucking awesome comedian (laughs) in 2000 karam nader did an experiment in which he took a rat with a memory of a fearful experience and injected the animal with a drug that blocks protein synthesis This erased the rat's unconscious fearful memory. Mm. It still had the conscious memory of the fearful experience, but no longer the emotional reaction to it. Tough time for the rat. Other researchers have already experimented with implanting memories in mice. In 2016, doctors were using medications that dampen memories, so they'll cause less pain or trauma. Yeah, see, in that sense, I'm fully for that. Yeah. Uh, You know, that type of memory elimination. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, if you, you know, can if you can help someone get back on track by yeah. getting rid of something that's holding them back, yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah, and then and then it's not the elimination of the memory per se; it's more just the elimination of the um of how intense the effect of yeah. the memory is. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm I I would do that dozens of times to my own brain. <laughs> yeah, I'd 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 get rid of the the shape of water from my head. Um, <laughs> segment sum it up. What does this movie mean to you? Uh, I think it is a, uh, as I said, along with Punch Drunk Love, one of the few movies I've seen that is very, uh, is just a very true depiction of what I understand relationships to be. Yeah. Uh, The lesson I took from this film is if you know you're capable of making mistakes, it isn't an excuse to do nothing. You should forge ahead and do your best to be yourself and balance that against any deep connections you feel for someone. Great. Some squid bits. Seth Rogen auditioned for the role of Patrick. Oh, really? And I love Seth Rogen. Like, he's like a guilty, even bad <laughs> Seth Rogen movies at the end of it. I go, well, I enjoyed hanging out with Seth Rogen. <laughs> so, but uh, I, I think Elijah would. Yes. I, 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 my fear is that Seth Rogen would have brought something a bit too likable to yeah, Patrick. Yeah, like a, bit a, love, too, a lovability. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I actually don't want that no. with Patrick. But interesting, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tom Wilkinson reportedly didn't enjoy working with Gondry and often clashed with him. Gondry recalled that Wilkinson said to Ruffalo, I don't know what the hell we're doing. Gondry would give him direction and Wilkinson would look him right in the eye and say, why? <laughs> Gondry was often on the back foot and then Wilkinson would only give him three takes, no more. Gondry did point out that Wilkinson was great in all three takes. Great. Mark Ruffalo suggested his character would be a fan of The Clash and look a bit like Joe Strummer. Gondry thought it was so unexpected as a take that he immediately gave it to him. (laughs) Gondry had to bring Carrie all the way down so he couldn't improvise or joke too much. Then in the scenes where he's asleep and being very still, Ruffalo and Dunst would be improvising around him, going off script, and Carrie found this frustrating he said why are they improvising you told me the opposite and gondry had to explain it was different for his character (laughs) of course gondry would take winslet into a room and have to tell her to go big because it was a comedy and to jim he'd say it was a drama kerry was reportedly very frustrated during filming but after they were done they became closer and friendlier so in in the process he must have been a little bit out of sorts and lost and then yeah. once he got to see it i my impression is he went oh i see what's happening yeah i mean 
it seems to me obvious from the script why you would have to be that guy. Yeah, well, but, I guess you know. I guess there's that um, you know that vulnerability to acting where mm. it's like, yeah. fuck, you know. Uh, I have to trust this guy, but um, yeah. it's going against my instincts. Yeah. Uh, Winslet has been on record as saying this is her favourite performance of hers ever. This was around the 10th anniversary of the film. Right. When interviewed for the role, she was the only person to tell Gondry that the script was a bit repetitive in some places and it shouldn't shy away from being more sentimental. She also stated she wasn't going to be as big as Carrie, so they'd have to tone him down. The studio pushed for another actress to have the role, one who had just won an Oscar, but Gondry threatened to walk if they did that. Gondry, uh, by the way, Gondry didn't say who that person Mm -hmm. was, but I went back and looked at the uh, films for the Oscar winners. In 2002, it was Halle Berry and Jennifer Connelly in uh, Best Supporting Actor. And in 2003, it was Nicole Kidman and Catherine Zeta-Jones in Best Supporting Actor. So Mm. I wonder if it's one of those four I'm glad it's like um, it's yeah. Winslet's perfect. It's got to be Winslet. The one that I do, I like. I like Nicole Kidman in a lot of things. Not I'm glad always. It wasn't Nicole. Uh, Not at but, that stage of her career. But Jennifer Connelly would have been. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but I would not change anything. Mm. Gondry's most memorable moment on set, according to an interview he did for The Hollywood Reporter, was when he shot the scene where Kerry comes back to the office of the doctor and wants to start the procedure. Gondry wanted to do it in one shot, and Kerry had two roles to play. Him in the memory, and then Kerry visiting the memory. It was roughly a three-minute continuous shot, a really complicated shoot because they'd have Carrie on the left, mm. then they'd go to Wilkinson, and then back to Carrie, who had to change his clothes, haircut, and sit in the right place before they reached him. <laughs> it took five to six takes, and it worked perfectly. Everyone applauded once they got it. I didn't, man. I got to rewatch that scene. I didn't even yeah. clock. Yeah, that's one take. That's fucking brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Uh, but, uh, by the way, uh, one of the reasons that Kate Winslet got the role was because she criticised the script, yeah, and great. he was like, "Oh, okay, that's interesting." Yeah. I'm glad you're sitting down for this one. <laughs> They initially approached Nicolas Cage for the role of Joel. Oh, awesome. Actually, I think he could have done it very well. Like... I really do. And yeah, and this is... But this was around... um, He just won the gold... uh, The the Oscar for leaving Las Vegas. So he was in demand. But he was in the running for a long time. Cage, I mean, we've not talked about him on this, but he is a genius. I really believe that. And I think that people who dismiss him do so at their own peril. They don't understand what he's actually doing. Oh, yeah. I think he's a expressionistic, probably the only expressionistic actor out there. Oh, man. He's brilliant. I love that story about the director from Kick-Ass, you know, three days into filming going, what the fuck is this guy doing? Right. What is he doing? And then suddenly he's like, oh, my God, he's doing Adam West Batman. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, yeah, he, he does what a lot of directors do in that the realization that uh, some things are so uh, nuanced that they uh, have to be expressed yep. in an outrageous fashion to yep. convey what's actually going on. Yeah. Much like uh, silent uh, wine mask cinema does, yep. where it's like, it's got to be real big to get to the actual truth of what is happening. Yeah. Uh, Gondry's girlfriend left him while he was editing the movie. Oh, and God. even though they had a great relationship, he can't watch the film anymore because it makes him too sad. Oh, uh, I gave you a little bit of wrong information before. In the script, Howard got Mary pregnant and he pressured her into an abortion, which he also erased from her memory. So I don't know if it is in the film, actually. Do, do you- I, I, I'm pretty sure it is. is. It, yeah, it's I'm implied. I'm pretty sure it's implied. It's right. not okay. overtly stated. Uh, lacuna means a blank space. It, it, is, it is stated. It is stated. It is stated. Okay. He, he, he kind of gaslights her and says that she wanted 
the she uh, wanted it. Yes. Right. I, I, God, I hope I'm mad. God, talk about <laughs> and it raised memories. I'm fairly sure I'm yeah. fairly sure that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Lacuna means a blank space or a missing part. Yeah. So that's the name of the business. The concept of the movie came from conversations Gondry had with co-writer Pierre Bismuth. Bismuth conceived the idea of erasing people's minds in response to a friend complaining about their boyfriend. And when he asked if, he, if she would erase that boyfriend from her memory, she said yes. Bismuth originally conceived to conduct an art experiment involving sending cards to people saying someone they knew had erased the card's recipient from their memory. He never carried out this mm. experiment. When Bismuth told Gondry this, they developed it into a story based on the situation that would arise if it were scientifically possible. Gondry approached Charlie Kaufman with this concept that they developed into a short pitch. Even though a small bidding war began over the idea, Steve Golan of Propaganda Film purchased it in June of 1998. Kaufman didn't begin writing straight away, though, because he was still working on Adaptation, mm. Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, and Human Nature, which became Gondry's directorial debut. When Memento was released, Kaufman was worried about the similarities and tried to pull out of the project, but Golan insisted that he finished the work. The mm. final script made the studio nervous. <laughs> Kaufman didn't want to make the movie a thriller and downplayed the science fiction aspects of the memory erasure, instead choosing to focus on the relationships. Yes, Smart good move. choice. The cinematographer Ellen Kuras found the movie challenging because Gondry's vision was to blend location shoot authenticity with unpredictable flashes of whimsy. Most special effects uh, captioned in camera. You've already yeah. said that. Kaufman rewrote the script during production, so there are discrepancies between the production script and the final script. One change was that the erasure of each memory, Clementine's behaviour would become increasingly robotic. Oh. It, it's. It, it, I feel like that's too much. It's too much. Yeah. So it was a good thing to cut out. No, I think it's. I think it's. It's beautiful that they're get closer and more warm as each memory is erased. Yeah, yeah, I like that too. Uh, in October 2016, it was announced that anonymous content would work with Universal Cable Productions to produce a television series based on the film. Kaufman isn't involved in writing the show and the project is still in the planning stages. Uh. And this little thing has nothing to do with anything. It just turned up. Mm. Gondry was a drummer in the 80s French pop group Wee oui, Wee. Oui. <laughs> and I feel like finishing a, on a Wee oui, Wee oui is a good way to as go. As a side note, uh, anyone who enjoyed this movie you should look up Michelle Gondry's film clips oh yeah I believe most of them are on YouTube they yeah. are fucking great oh, they're the, great the classic around the world Daft Punk film clip oh is yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 great film good work clip. with Kylie yeah great yep. one he does yep. some good white stripes ones yeah I've got the DVD of his um, I've got that somewhere film somewhere Brilliant. yeah yeah well that brings us to the end of uh Interesting movie. Oh, and man. I, I'm like, I need a nap. I'm really, <laughs> I know. really emotionally exhausted. But uh, I hope everyone enjoyed that. Yeah. Well, if it's any consolation for everyone listening, I watched uh, you at about the hour 10 mark just go. Oh. And I was like, oh, he has burnt himself oh, it's out. It's just memories, man. You know, yeah. remembering a lot of heavy stuff. But that's good. You know, no, you know you're alive. You know you're alive. And sometimes that is all you need for a win. <laughs> Thank you to young Benjamin for being along for this ride and another shout out to Brody, our Patreon subscriber of the episode. I hope you enjoyed this podcast, Brody, and thank you very much for your support. I'll be back with you all on Monday with a new Space Podacy two-parter that kicks off our mini Matrix run. 
Let's finish today with a quote from Kate Winslet. I think heartbreak is something that you learn to live with as opposed to learn to forget. Seemed like an apt quote for today's episode. Until then. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.